0: Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. It's the summer heat wave. We are back, 32 teams in 32 days, coming to a close the last week, and we are kicking it off with the Denver Broncos the land of yeah, Bronco
1: the land of Tim's bachelor party I'm actually drinking from a Colorado Rockies cup right now
0: So very yes very uh, I, we had good times in Colorado Actually we were supposed to go to New Orleans and a hurricane hit when it wasn't supposed to last year during my uh, during my bachelor party Shout out to the people in New Orleans and Texas right now being affected by those hurricanes um, every single fantasy relevant player going over by Brodo Fantasy with Michael and Jason, we already heard from. They don't wait. We, they don't even wait for me to introduce them anymore. Nah, you're boring, kid. <laughs> um, brotofantasy.com. Don't forget to go there, and check out all our articles and everything. Brotofantasy. Also, patreon.com/slash/brotofantasy, where you can have access to extra, extra episodes, um, the Patreon exclusive stats, uh, the Discord, and much, much, much more. So let's get right into it. Um, everything the same on the offensive outlook for the Denver Broncos. So let's get to their quarterback, their starter, a guy that I have loved ever since he came out of college, a guy that I have multiple shares of in multiple um, best ball slash dynasty leagues that I'm in right now. Drew um, Lock, how do you guys feel about Drew Lock coming into the season? I, I think that he is the most unknown of any quarterback because of what He's facing Um, as, by the way, if you hear some noise in the background, that's rain hitting the air conditioner. Um, Nothing you can do about that noise, really. It is Um, a downpour right now. Yeah, it's downpouring. So sorry about the noise in the background, but it is what it is. Um, Yeah. So how do you guys feel about Drew Locke? Probably the most unknown player in the NFL that's going to be able to have such a huge impact this year. Well, the first
1: thing I want to say about Drew Locke is that I'm happy you finally started calling him Drew Locke and stopped calling him Andrew Locke.
0: Well, I don't have to. I don't have to worry about Andrew Luck being in the league anymore. So now, if Andrew Luck comes back to the league, we're gonna have to worry about me calling him Drew Luck, Drew Luck,
1: <laughs> or Andrew Luck, which you've done both times in the past. So I'm just happy about that. But yeah, like you said, Drew Luck is an absolute wild card. We saw in the beginning of the summer, many people were anointing him their breakout quarterback. After they got Judy and Hamler in the draft, they signed Melgo to add to that backfield. Since then, the talk has simmered down a bit. He's sitting at a ADP. Of QB23, my main concern with Drew Locke is that, looking at his rookie season, it's hard to judge his performance because he joined the team late. The team wasn't very good. It's a different offensive coordinator now with Pat Shermer coming in. Completely different weapons outside of Sutton and Fant. So, how? What can we can we really base what we saw of Drew Locke from last season going into this season? Like I said, new OC, Pat Shermer is his offensive coordinator. Last time, Pat Shermer was uh, an offensive coordinator. He helped Case Keenum get the 22 touchdowns and 7 intos in Minnesota. So maybe he'll be able to help Drew Locke, even if he's not outstanding, be Case Keenum-esque, where he's efficient and ends up with a decent line at the end of the year of touchdowns to interceptions. The problem I have with Locke is that this Denver team is 100% going to be a defensive-minded run first team, in my opinion. And they were 25th in passing attempts per game last season. And I don't envision that going higher than maybe like 20th in the league. Maybe. I don't see them being a top half passing team in the league when they have Melgo and Lindsay in the backfield. Pat Shermer had Saquon Barkley uh, the last two years in, in New York. Ran, ran it down the throats with Saquon Barkley. And then the previous year in Minnesota, he, he averaged, excuse me, they ran for nearly 2,000 yards total between Dalvin Cook, Jared McKinnon, and Latavius Murray. So they're going to be running the ball early and often. Drew Locke has a very nice team around him and weapons to use. I think he's a good upside pick for a quarterback, too. At an ADP of QB 23, if I'm in a two-quarterback league and I'm waiting on QBs, I'd be happy with him as my QB, two. But I think his ceiling is going to be a bit limited, and I wouldn't draft him in a in a, in a one-quarterback league as, like, a backup either because I don't think it warrants drafting him as a backup because I don't see that breakout potential where usually if you draft a backup quarterback, it's someone like Joe Burrow where maybe they'll break out and be, like, a top-five type guy. I don't really see that this season for Drew Locke. Uh,
0: Joe Burrow or Gardner Minshew? I mean, Gardner Minshew or... um Or uh, or Drew Locke? Minshew. Drew Locke. Yes. Minshew. Sorry. Minshew. Uh, yeah, Sam Darnold or <coughs> Drew Locke?
1: Lock. Darnold. Hmm, I've cooled down a bit on Drew Lock. I I think that this is gonna be a like Michael said, run first. Good defensive team. Vic Fangio. Hey, Vic Fangio. Rick Scanderello. has hey, gone. Nah, Rick, Rick Sc- Scangarello's out, We can't do this. <laughs> I know. I missed RAP it. That's today. all I had to do. It was fun. Fangio's a good defensive coach, man. And they brought in Melgo while they already had Lindsay. I just don't see the volume there for him to be much more than a QB two.
0: Um, let's go over to those running backs then because I think that's going to be where the offense lies. Uh, Melvin Gordon coming over with a decent free agent contract. It didn't break the bank, uh, but it's not like also a, a shitty contract. It's a pretty good contract for Melvin Gordon. Thinking about how he how he had the least successful holdout in the history of holdouts last year, um, it definitely, you know, it's, it's a little underwhelming considering that. Um, but he comes over to a backfield that's already occupied. By Philip Lindsay. And I, I got to tell you, when we were doing, uh, it was about a month ago, we were doing our favorite fades. And guys, we would never take an ADP. And I was looking at Melvin Gordon, and I was looking up his stats. And one thing that stood out to me was that Melvin Gordon's going to have opportunity in his backfield, whether or not he's splitting the backfield or not. Um, Melvin Gordon last season, upon coming back, uh, only saw about, about 55% of the snaps. Even the the year before that, he was around the 63 uh, percentage snap type player, so not a full-time player. Definitely someone who shares snaps. Here's something that we don't think of from last year. Yes, Phillip Lindsey was the main back. 224 attempts, 1,011 yards, 7 TDs on the ground. But right behind him was Royce Freeman. And Royce Freeman had a lot of opportunity last year. And it wasn't really... It wasn't really, you know, talked about at all because he didn't have any fantasy success. But you're talking about a guy who had 132 attempts and 50 uh, targets, 43 receptions. So he touched the ball 175 times to Phillip Lindsay's 259. So although those are definitely not 50 50, I think Royce Freeman was way more involved in the offense than people realize. Not to mention, you also put Devontae Booker's. touches in there and you know it's not a lot he only touched the ball eight times but still a running back so you give those so you give those eight touches up there there's a lot of touches up for grabs in the Broncos backfield and I feel like they want to give Melvin Gordon the ball and there's 50 running back targets and 43 running back catches that are up there uh, out there for grabs and that's not even talking about the things that they're going to create for Melvin Gordon and in Melvin Gordon you're talking about a guy who hasn't caught less than 42 passes since his rookie season this is a i'm sorry 41 passes excuse me this is a prolific pass catching back so i think even if him and philip Lindsay both share the load melvin gordon's gonna have a chance to be pretty fantasy relevant to the point where i'm comfortable taking him kind of where he's going and which is like the fourth round around and he can in the most ideal world be a top five back now do i think he's going to be a top five back no but rb1 is not out of the question for him and i think rb2 is a guarantee i feel like the
1: thing with melgo is rb16 he's currently going at right now so it's not like you're paying a super super high price for him you're not paying like a rb1 type price i just i think it's going to be a pretty even split i I think it's going to be like a 55 45 split in favor of melgo the problem i have is that Melgo is going at RB16, while Philip Lindsay is going at RB33. And I've never been a big fan of Melvin Gordon, the running back. Like, I've always said he's a good fantasy player, but that's because he's been buoyed by touchdowns his entire career outside of his rookie season where he was trash. And other than that, he's not the elite running back that people assume he is when hearing his name.
0: There is something to be said about 47 touchdowns over the last four years. That's a lot of fucking touchdowns. It is. last season. So that, that's a guy that's not just getting those opportunities. That's a guy who has a nose for the goal line.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's good for him, but it's also, right. touchdowns typically aren't super sticky, and now he's leaving the Chargers as well. So you don't know how often he'll find the end zone this season in Denver. Last season, he rushed at a 3.8 yards per carry clip, and then was he was 29th in breakaway run rate, was outside the top 60 in yards created. So it, it's not like he was this explosive running back. Meanwhile, Lindsey was at 4.5 yards per carry, a big difference. Was 10 spots higher in breakaway run rate, was over 30 spots higher in creating yards, and Philip Lindsay is just a very good running back who has been very good for Denver the last two seasons. They've made it clear that they don't want Lindsay to be a workhorse back. Even they, the last two years when Lindsay was by far their best option, he wasn't a workhorse back. But I don't think that means he's going to be just pushed to the side by any means. I think Philip Lindsay is a great pick at his ADP of RB33. In the ninth, 10th round where he's going right now, I've drafted him plenty of times. And Melgo, I'd be more comfortable drafting Melgo at like RB20-ish. I, I, that's where I think he's going to be, somewhere around there. rb is a little steep for me, but I mean, it's not something I hate if you're going to draft him there. Also because of the, it kind of got a little overlooked that Melvin Gordon said he was having some trouble adjusting to the altitude in Denver. So you don't know how that's going to, if that is going to affect him either. So I, I prefer Lindsay straight up ADP-wise, but I don't hate either of them. Well, I don't hate Melgo at ADP.
0: I just want to I just want to put this out there real quick. Royce Freeman got thirty, 30 I'm sorry, thirteen point eight of his team's receptions last year. That puts him in the company of Ezekiel Elliott, who got thirteen point nine. Devin Singletary got thirteen point nine. Adam Jones, I mean Aaron Jones, excuse me, got thirteen point eight. Miles Sanders, twelve point eight. So you're talking about a, a guy who was a receiving back. And I think Melvin Gordon is gonna get at least that opportunity. If not more, and and take some of the passing work away from Phillip Lindsay, I just I just wanted to put that out there because I really don't think like looking into Royce Freeman last year, I don't think people realize how involved Royce Freeman was in the Denver offense last year. I think
1: there's a clear path to Melgo and Lindsay both possibly being top twenty-five running back options Lex, this season in a I Pat Shermer offense. I On that note, though, Melgo has never has one season in his career over four yards per carry.
0: It, that's not his type of game. He's not a breakaway guy. Like I, I, you gotta at least at least accept that from Melgo at this point. I'm saying, but you if know? the
1: volume's not there because Lindsay's gonna be getting touches too, then what's he really gonna do? If if you actually look at Melgo and Freeman last year, since Melgo only played twelve games, they basically had the same number of touches. Who do you think's gonna get the ball in the red zone? Melgo. I'm gonna. I'd go Melgo.
0: They brought him so, in. Exa- I think that's I think that's why Melgo is in the in the
1: realm but of where he is. I also wouldn't be shocked if it's just Melgo, Lindsay, Melgo, Lindsay, Melgo, Lindsay, just take turns on the field, and then sometimes Melgo comes in if they get tackled at like the one or two yard line.
0: I know this is a different team and everything. And
1: We could also, dude, talent usually wins out. Yeah, that I mean, Melvin
0: Gordon is a talented guy, man. Lindsay's been more talented peripherally in his young career. I'll say this. Melvin Gordon, he had to come back and compete with Austin Eckler, who was literally the running back one in PPR last season. He came back in week six and had a rough time. From, seven, from week seven to week 16, he finished outside the top 24 running backs one time. So, like, this is a guy who's used to splitting a backfield. So I, I just – I think that that's – I think that that's the argument for Melvin Gordon is he's already used to splitting the backfield – I, f- I think it's a stone cold lock that he's going to get the receptions, considering how much Royce Freeman was already involved in the passing game last year, and he is going to be the goal line player. So I feel like Melvin Gordon, like yeah, maybe he's not as talented a runner as Philip Lindsay, but he brings different things to the table, like pass catching ability, like goal line ability. Lindsay did like have the uh, abilities.
1: did have the butter every now and then last season.
0: Right. He I mean that's why they I think that's why they brought in Melvin Gordon, and that's why they continue to place play Royce Freeman, because even Philip Lindsay. He got eleven percent of the team's receptions. Like Denver throws to the running back like crazy, so like they're gonna throw to the running back. So I, I just I think Melvin Dorn is being slept on like crazy this year. I really do. I think he has something to prove too. He's in division. Like I, I really, and I know you guys are. Are you look at these guys like they're like they're uh, Madden guys? But I like to think that that motivation plays a role. Fair is enough. that it? No, no, uh, no rebuttal. <laughs> enough. All right motivation um, talk let's go over to the completely revamped uh receiving core this is a receiving core in denver that was vaunted for years with emmanuel sanders and um marius thomas and some, and Wes welker for a little while mm-hmm. like this is a receiving core that was had to have him uh, eric decker and then they kind of crapped out as those guys got older and now it's a complete revamp Cortland sutton in his third year really had a breakout season last season uh, one of the guys that I was talking about last season that I really love to take a, to take the next step um, this season, and he did. And then, of course, you got the rookies, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, in the first and second round. So they're going with completely young at their wide receiver core. And I'm not even going to mention my favorite guy in the whole receiving core bunch, and that's no offense. We'll get to him in just a second. All the reports out of camp is that Cortland Sutton looks every bit like the superstar they looked like last year. But Jerry Judy has been praised out the wazoo by these beat writers. Seems like he's the real deal. Um, Out the wazoo is correct. They say he's already looking better than established veterans. Um, Jerry Judy could have a role here. Um, Cortland Sutton, we know, has a role. It really depends on Drew Locke. How are you drafting these guys?
1: Yeah, Cortland Sutton is just someone that, uh, I don't know, puts a knot in my stomach because... uh, I know he's a great player, and I kind of want him on my teams. But then when I get him, I'm also a little weary. Like, what he did last season was unreal. He was he saw 124 targets and was only 46th in true target value. But he finished as the 24th wide receiver in fantasy points per game. His true performance value, which is a Patreon exclusive, true target value minus fantasy points per game to see how he performed. Third highest in the league. That either says he was very lucky or he's super skilled. And the odds are that he's probably super skilled. But how many highlight real plays can this guy make? Drew Locke's going to need to take a step up. Sure. Or he's going to have to see a lot more targets. And we expect this to be a run-first offense. Drew Locke also took over in Week 13. Cortland Sutton never scored more than 12 fantasy points with Drew Locke at QB. Uh, that is I correct.
0: Really, I don't think you can really look at that. Well, I know he, it's a he short. He was better
1: with every quarterback not named Locke. Yeah, I know it's a small sample, but it's relevant nonetheless. The the bright side of Cortland Sutton last year. Excuse me. Week thirteen, he had twenty three fantasy points. After that, he didn't. He was That's fourth in red zone targets, and he drew eight pass interferences. That's a skill right there. Pass interferences are a. Underrated to, skill that wide receivers have. Yeah, it's a guy that's hard but to cover. But right does not here. count for fantasy. Honestly, maybe PI should start giving someone like getting a point. That's ridiculous. I've always said pass interference should get something. A fifty-yard pass interference calling your nothing? You receiver think that's ridiculous? Nothing? But catching a shovel pass from a quarterback is basically a run is a point. That's ridiculous yeah, well, in my mind well,
0: He eyes. caught. He caught that one.
1: Yeah, those rushes where you just toss it to the yeah. receiver. The jet sweep. The Robert Woods receptions.
0: Look, <laughs> he caught. He caught a forward pass.
1: Sutton's ADP right now is 18. I have him ranked at 23. So I'm only a little off of him. But I'm not going to be reaching for him. And then when it comes yeah. to Jerry Judy, everything we've said applies, right? It's a run-first offense with two great running backs and a stud-wide receiver. And then we also like Noah Fant. So Noah offense, Get it? <laughs> Noah offense. Noah offense. Uh, I don't really see Jerry Judy... Having that large of a role, I think his ADP is reasonable. He's going in the 50s. If you want to take the shot on the rookie there, that's fine. But he, I don't. he's not going to blow you away. He might be a bi-week fill-in.
0: I think Jerry Judy's going to be the type of guy who, who comes on in the second half of the season um, because he just is getting more of a rapport with his quarterback. What about KJ Hamler, the second-round pick? Um, for me, there's no way that I could I could draft a second rookie on a team. You just got to – I mean, odds say that one of these guys is not going to work out, and I'm, my my bet is on Jerry Judy. That is correct.
1: It's the same argument I made, I think, yesterday. When did we do the Raiders? A couple days ago uh, with Brian Edwards. I'm not taking the second rookie drafted.
0: Yeah. I'm but, especially in the same offense. Yeah.
1: I mean, in Dynasty Leagues, or are deep best balls. I suppose it's different. You could take a shot. In Dynasty Leagues, Hamler is a good guy to take a shot on. He's already getting a bunch of praise out of the slot and such. But, yeah, Drew Locke-led run-first offense. There's no possible way they could support Fant, Sutton, Judy, and then Hamler, too. There's no way. But here's the thing with tight ends. They don't need as many targets to be fantasy viable. Like, people listening might think it's weird that we're not super high on the Broncos' pass casters, but we like Noah Fant. It's a different
0: position. Let's Last go, season... Let's Let's go right to Noah Fant then, Jason. Why do you like Noah Fant? Last season, Noah Fant saw four targets per
1: game, and that was 15th for tight ends. Like, you see five targets per game, and you're in the top 12 in targets. It's a low number, but that's how the position is. So Mal's defeat isn't that big of a deal. And as a rookie tight end, he went forty-five, sixty-two, and 3. That's legitimately an incredible season. He, uh... The Chris Herndon stat that I pulled out, over 12 yards per reception and 500 yards as a rookie. Noah Fant was also on that list, and Noah Fant was second in yards per reception. So over the last two decades, Noah Fant was only behind Mark Andrews in yards per reception for a rookie tight end catching over 500 yards. So that's ahead of Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez, Jeremy Shockey, George Kittle. It's ahead of very good company.
0: And he passes the eye test. I think that's one of an important thing. Like when he's on the field, you can tell this guy is a special athlete. I love his his opportunity as well, though. Like I think that's what you guys were saying. Like he doesn't need more than five looks a game. And you have a young quarterback that's going to be in an offense with Pat Shermer that it's not like Pat Shermer is a, this, this high-flying, um, go-down-the-field type guy. He dinks and dunks to his quarterback. We've seen it with – I mean his running back, excuse me. We, we saw that. Um, when he was in Minnesota. And we saw that when he was with the Giants last year uh, for the last couple of years. So I think Noah Fant is going to get the work. We saw Evan Ingram get a crazy amount of work in a Pat Shermer offense. And he passes the eye test. He's one of the guys that I feel like we're going to look back and be like, how did we not draft him? I'm trying to get Noah Fant in every single one of my drafts. I'm really high on Noah Fant. I think he can really make the leap, especially... If he if he has more touchdowns. Last season there was also
1: a big chunk of tight ends in the mid teens. If he scored four more points, he would have ended as a tight end fourteen. And his ADP this year is now tight end twelve. Yeah, I like and he's a
0: second year tight end.
1: I like Fantasy ADP. I
0: like it. I like it. Um. What about one injury away? Who do you guys see as the one injury away player that will take the next step if the guy For from for
1: him? me, it's Jerry Judy because if Sutton went down, Jerry Judy's current ADP is around the wide receiver fifty. That's where I have him ranked too, just because I don't see that every week option here in that offense. But if Cortland Sutton were to go down, oof, we got a nice, nice pickup in Jerry Judy. Definitely
0: Melgo slash Lindsay for me. All right, uh, that is all for our Denver Broncos pre- preview. We are going to finish off the AFC East with the Chargers next time we talk to you, which is tomorrow. Um, Michael, where could they find you? At Brodo FF Mike. Jason? At Brodo FF Jason. You can find us at Brodo, I Find me, I'm sorry, at Brodo FF Tim. Uh, see what we did there. And at all of us at BrodoFantasy on Twitter. Don't forget to check out our Patreon. Not only do you get to support us and the show, but you also get free perks, like joining... Our Discord, which is constantly pumping fantasy goodness 24-7. Um, also, you can get into our listeners leagues. Probably a little too late to get into listeners league unless you get 10 more people to join. So tell your family, tell your friends. Um, you get exclusive stats and much, much more. Patreon.com slash is where you can find all of that. <laughs> and with that being said com as well. We'll see you next time. Later. Later. Later.